Your entire life you've been told to save. But has anyone helped you figure out how to spend? With Fidelity Income Planning, get help creating a personalized plan for cash flow even when you're not working. One that includes your 401k and all your other accounts. Make informed decisions that best fit your life ahead, whether one-on-one or through our planning tools. Learn more at fidelity.com slash income planning. Advisory services provided by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC for a fee. Brokerage services by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home. The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out. To the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined by Mr. Denny Carter and Kyle DeBorchick to break down the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. That includes a little game on a little network you may have heard of called NBC and, of course, Peacock. Uh, that's Sunday. That's the Lions and the 49ers. We never thought we, the Lions would have a, uh, excuse me, Lions and Bucks. We never thought the Lions would have a walkover matchup for an NFC Championship game appearance. Uh, we'll see if Baker Mayfield has anything to say about that. There's also the, the fight in CJ Stroud's. Standing in the Ravens' way of their second win of the playoff win of the Lamar Jackson era. Uh, the pa- upstart Packers trying to upset the 49ers. Uh, there's another game. Oh, yeah, the Chiefs and Bills, the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, we'll talk about that one, too. We'll talk about the coaching carousel first, though. We got Bill Belichick updates. Uh, we got Mike McCarthy non-updates and Cowboys beat reporters like offering like online therapy sessions to Cowboys fans. <laughs> Seems like a really, really good sign. Yeah, uh, we, we got Nick Sirianni twisting in the wind. You know what else I got? We got no riffing topics. I forgot about this before we started the show. And, well, uh, we so can just we, go right into the coaching stuff and uh, riff on. on not, not acceptable, in my opinion. You got to riff on something pointless, something aimless, um, something aimless. Winter, uh, am I right? Winter. Oh, yeah. I almost got snow recently, and it was terrifying. So I hope you guys are enjoying yours. <laughs> oh wow, Kyle! Oh. He leaves the Midwest once and can't handle a little I, white stuff. I, okay, no, I do. I'm, I'm done. I do. Uh, <laughs> I do have to say this about the snow situation. We've had a lot of snow in Maryland, at least for Maryland standards. I know folks in Minnesota will say, "What are you talking about?" Keep crying uh, and coping about your two inches. Right, of snow. and I will, and I will continue to keep crying and coping. When I lived in Ohio, they did that too. To be clear, it would be like they would have to cancel school because you couldn't wait at the bus stop. You get frostbite, like it was negative five with horrific wind chills. And then the one teacher from Iowa, from Minnesota, would come to school the next day and make fun of all of the yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. So th- that's kind of what we have here. Is there's this false memory? Okay, I'm 40. Okay, I went to school in the 90s, uh, late 80s, and in 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 the 90s, and the the false memory is this: we used to never have snow days. This is what. Oh memory. yeah. <laughs> okay. That no matter what happened it, with the snow, it could have been three feet of snow, uh, 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 sideways hail, whatever. Biblical storms, not to get religious, but uh, and 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 you, but you went to school. You had to go right, and and now you get four flakes on the ground and they cancel the whole thing. No, 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 that never happened. That never happened. Here, here's the dynamic, and at least in Maryland, here's how it goes. They're real loose with calling snow with calling snow days in December and January. Real oh, loose. Yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. We haven't had one. Let's let's call. Let's give the kids a day, right? They do that, right? But it comes down to February, and you've missed seven or eight days. Then, then you get a three foot dump, and they say, uh, "You're SOL, kids. You got to come to school." And that's how the class of '93 lost nine souls. <laughs> <laughs> and they, and they, they couldn't call school. it. They couldn't call an eighth snow day, so then everyone had to go to school. And they, I mean, but it, it, it is funny that the that a bunch of boomers and Gen Xers are like, we never got to we got snow days, guys, well, folks. We got everybody got snow days. You know what's happening now? The private equity is just ruining the concept of a snow day. Now we have at home learning days. We had one of those right. here this week where. Now they don't even give the kids the pleasure of a because of weather though they just said stay home yeah, and yeah. and you know show up on Zoom. Oh man, yeah. that well that's because, a sad you know, life to live. It was more like they sent like three assignments. One of them was literally my son um, cutting something out of a magazine. He's he's in preschool, all right. So he's guess what? He's not reading William Faulkner yet. Okay, 
<laughs> I was cutting some stuff out of magazines, trying to learn how to use scissors. Uh, so it wasn't really the heaviest lifting, but I see uh, in our future uh, snow days being optimized and affi- made efficient yeah, right. where there's still work and also the worst thing of all time. Yeah, that's yeah, terrifying, right. man. The snow day was like a gift from God, like divine it intervention it was. to not have to go to school. And like you, it's it's Christmas. You wake up and you don't know if you've gotten it or yet. Yeah, 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 You're yeah. watching the news oh, ticker and you know my. when your county's abbreviation comes up through to not have <laughs> that joy in your life. Like that is a, a fundamental moment of my childhood. The kids don't know. The kids today will never know what it was like to stay up in your room. Okay, I had a little TV that I got oh, channel yeah. four, five, seven, and nine. That's it. Okay, and I barely got those. But I have it on Channel Four on NBC, of course, and and I and I'd be watching the, I'd be watching the scroll <laughs> at the bottom, and just say, Montgomery County, please, baby, one time, one time, one time. I'd yep. be watching that closer. No, your it's your school is always the only one that's not canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd be watching that closer than I watch my DFS lineups on Sunday. Come on, come on, baby. I know I see Prince George's, I see Howard County, I see Loudoun County. Let's go, let's go. Come on, Montgomery. And then when it wouldn't show up, it'd be devastating. It was the most devastating thing. I was like, I don't know what they do to these roads in Warren County. They're always canceled first. Um, St. Charles (laughs) County, nothing ever happens here. Um, Nothing ever happens on this football show that involves football. We got to move on. There you go. Football. That includes the coaching carousel where Bill Belichick seems like the favorite to get the Atlanta Falcons job there. Like every team is like interviewing like 19 candidates this year for some reason. This has become some weird coaching flex. I think the Falcons have interviewed like 13 or 14 people. But Bill Belichick. Is on to a second interview this weekend. Uh, lots of foreshadowing that he is the heavy, heavy favorite there. CBS's Josina Anderson has tweeted as much. She hasn't said like he's getting the job or whatever, but uh, very heavily foreshadowing that he will get the job. First off, I'm encountering a lot of this weird stuff online where everyone is like uh, they don't want Belichick. And, you know, like some of the coaches that get recycled around this league, like uh, you might want to recycle Bill Belichick, <laughs> my, my opinion. And, uh, maybe it was just Mac Jones, you know, and the year he got fired, he still had like the eighth or ninth best defense by DVOA and like the second or third by more conventional metrics. Might want to give Bill Belichick a second chance. Do you guys agree? Would Bill Belichick go a long way towards curing what's ailing the Falcons and instantly winning the extremely soft NFC South? I think it's tough because who is Bill Belichick going to bring in to call plays on the offensive side of the ball? Nick Sirianni. <laughs> Nick. Nick Sirianni, maybe Mike McCarthy. Well, once the Cowboys change their mind and fire Mike McCarthy, no, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, I've interrupted your actual good point. But who, like, who is like? It's Josh that, McDaniels the, sounds like an obvious uh, name. So, like, it's not going to be Matt Patricia again. One would assume Josh McDaniel sounds like a rather obvious name to bring in, since he, right, as far as I know, he's still out of a job right now. Does that work for this team? It literally didn't work for the past like two teams we've seen. With oh, Daniels. And it highlights Bill failed the biggest test of his post-Brady years was the biggest test of his post-Brady years wasn't the Pat- Patricia Judge year. Like, that was, like, the year Bill, like, finally had to touch the stove and get humbled. Like, he <laughs> made, like, the most hubi- hubristic hire imaginable when he had Patricia and Judge coordinate the offense. Like, the big test was, like, all right, how did he, like, admit that mistake and move on from it? He needed to go outside his coaching tree, something he's almost never done. Like, yeah. last year was the year for Bill to go outside his coaching tree and kind of refresh his staff, refresh his approach, and he did not do it. He hired Bill O'Brien. The offense was almost as bad, worse, actually, than it was under Matt Patricia. And that is, Kyle, like the big question about Belichick moving forward, because the defense is going to be elite. We just know that. Like, he could be 89 and still coaching an elite defense. Uh, but what the heck is he going to do? Especially on a team that doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, that is, like, the biggest question about Bill Belichick 2.0, is will he actually go outside his coaching tree? And he probably will not, Denny. Right. I mean, the, the the nightmare scenario, which I think is in play, is, you know, Josh McDaniels comes along with the Belichick package and with him comes Devontae Parker, comes Ezekiel Elliott, <laughs> comes a bunch of... They've already got Jonu Smith there. Like, comes a few Raiders for like... This, yeah, you know, you're going to establish the Patriots. Hunter Renfro, way. like Hunter Renfro is going to get cut and he's a perfect like, oh, well, he'll know the system we're bringing in. He can translate. They're giving Mac Collins a three-year deal after Mac Collins. I know he's on the Falcons this year, but he, after he played for the Raiders two years ago, they're going to give Mac Collins a three-year deal. Sorry. It, Perfect. Uh, yep. it, it, everywhere the Patriot way has tried, uh, has been tried outside of New England, has failed utterly. Okay? Um, I think that'll be the case here as well um, if, if they go to Atlanta. Now, I know it's a soft division and everything, and they'll sneak by with eight or nine wins. But that that you know why the Patriot way was just Tom Brady being. Good. Oh, I don't. I yeah. actually that's do. Not. That's the all. Oh, that's the only no, thing. That's the only not. factor in the whole thing. For, was for Tom Brady, off, Brady. That's it. 
he made the Cleveland Browns relevant in the early 90s. We know that. He discovered a little coach by the name of Mr. Nicholas Saban. Um, he went 11-5 and five with Matt Castle. He made the playoffs with Mac Jones. Like, I, I do think it's transferable beyond Tom Brady. But is this the cla- – he – this is where I always make this comparison between Nick Saban and Bill, Bill Belichick. Nick Saban, because of the nature of college football, is, is like forced to adapt and evolve. Like He could not stay stagnant, otherwise he was just gone. Kind of the same thing has happened to Davo Swinney at Clemson. He is not adapting and evolving at a fast enough rate, and he was outside the top 25 two years ago. He was kind of back this year. But Nick, though, understood that in his game you have to adapt and evolve. You don't have to do it as much in the NFL, but you do have to do it. The cycles don't turn over quite as quickly or as completely in the NFL, but Bill has just been remained so, 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 so stubborn where I, I do think it's more the stubbornness and not that like he wasn't ever great all along or whatever. I think understandably he believes uh, after two decades of winning 12 games every year, he, he has like a lot of faith in a system, but it turns out it's just a little too much faith. I think he could like make small tweaks and still be like one of the two or three best coaches in the NFL. I'm also a massive Belichick apologist. Yeah, I know you are, and and I am a hater. So I don't You're know. A hater. I don't, yeah. The 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 truth is probably between our our viewpoints. Uh, it I is definitely not just Brady. Brady, you were point. Brady wasn't even good like the first six years. Like get out of here with that. Like he was fine. He was like the. I was gonna say I'm pretty sure he like led the league in passing touchdowns in his second and fourth and fifth year. But other no, than no, 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 he did not. He did not. He did not. I don't think he was ever on the league leaderboards really until like 2000 the year before moss he started to really get up on the league leaderboards his second year as a starter he led the nfl in passing touchdowns how many yards oh. did how many yards and with the passing touchdowns too was it like 31 or something like get out of town you did catch me on a technicality it was a <laughs> low scoring year for the yeah. league 28 was enough to lead them yeah i mean get wow. out 28 that. please like, it was a totally yeah. different game then so uh kyle you're, you're kyle's right though it, it it entirely depends on who he brings in as an offensive coordinator because i mean the the, the Falcons have, uh, like we've said a million times on this show, a, a, ton, a ton of talent. Um, they should be good on paper. They're real good. I, I just, I'm just afraid that the 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 Patriot way is going to be forced upon the Falcons, and uh, that doesn't work. I'll say that Tom Brady candidate for them. I've got a decent candidate for them for OC Uh, Rams passing game coordinator. Zach Robinson has been spending his entire coaching career with the Rams, which like that has proven a generally successful strategy for hiring throughout the league for like five years now. He was a practice or he wasn't practice squad player. He was a summer player in his first year in the NFL drafted by the Patriots uh, in the seventh round, I believe. Any connection you can make to Bill Belichick, but still like have the bona fides of being a good coach. Should be an in. Like, you know, we've seen him, I don't want to say like nepotism, but he hires his guys. He hires guys he knows. He drafted this guy. They they cut him before the start of the year. But he's gone on to immediately be a successful, not offensive coordinator, but pass game coordinator, a rising name in the league. Like, you don't have to step all the way out. Your your tree is so deep. Belichick's obviously coached so long that he can reach just a little bit deeper than the surface level and find a guy like Zach Robinson. And maybe that's the, the strategy for them to have a successful offense. And Kyle, we're totally in agreement on that. He just has to go outside his tree. He needs something to refresh this off. I, I really think it could be like modest tweaks. And he's back. He's never going to be Brady Bill again. Uh, not to get political. Um, but he's going to, he's going to still be Bill <laughs> Belichick and... Uh, like he just has to evolve and adapt ever so. And by the way, on the Brady versus Belichick argument, Brady's first six years in the league never once threw 30 touchdowns and only got MVP votes twice. But he was very good, but he was not the Tom Brady that we came to remember as like the merciless death machine that you had no sure, chance. Sure. Very good feels fair though. That that feels fair. He definitely wasn't the Brady, like he wasn't the Brady I know. I really don't even like hardly remember the earliest Brady years. The Brady most people a- think of is 24. 20- 15, 16, Earlier, Brady like was a plumber. I mean, Denny knows. Denny won't say it now because <laughs> he's trying to win an argument. He was a plumber. No, he wasn't. Look, he wasn't uh, He wasn't in shape. Uh, he was not in shape. That is true. He wasn't, uh, you know, taking care of himself physically. I mean, you know, he had a little little pudge on his face and everything. I mean, he wasn't he didn't look like a uh, super an Italian supermodel. And <laughs> once once he got the Italian supermodel look, he took off. It was over after that. Yeah, he wasn't on his five almonds a day diet yet. <laughs> oh, right, right. I'm sorry. He still had one beer per year, and that messed him up. <laughs> Belichick has become the ultimate like Rorschach. 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 Yeah. Rorschach. How do you say it? 
That's it. You got it. I think the last one. Become the test, though. Uh, we can see whatever we want to in 71-year-old Bill Belichick. Uh, you can't really see whatever you want to in Mike McCarthy. He's just uh, not a good coach. I mean, he's, like, totally fine. Like, Mike McCarthy is – every year, Mike McCarthy is the 16th best coach in the league. Oh, no. No, no, he no. is. He's, he's the 16th best coach in the league. Hold Listen, on. I, All right, you go. I, I had to – I thought long and hard about Jerry Jones <laughs> issuing a, 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 state, a statement longer than a novel uh uh on on keeping mike mccarthy which is a great sign by the way when you have to explain it that much um Mm -hmm. but uh i think it's the right move because look uh because you're a cowboys hater so you think it's the right move no no i am an enjoyer of good offensive football and hardly anyone was better offensively than the cowboys this year they wrecked the league let's just be honest about it they were a machine Especially over the past ten, uh, over the last ten or twelve weeks of of the season, it was a slow start. They started to ignore Tony Pollard, which is the right thing, and and they took off, right? And uh, uh, I, I think you you try that again. You just do that again and see how see if it works. I just feel like twelve wins, three years in a row. The baseline's already so high. It's clearly a project that needs like a finishing touch. Uh, they're so so close. And I think we've it's a bit of staff. I think you can say after three years and one playoff victory, which was against like the remains of the Tom Brady Bucks, you can say Mike McCarthy's not the finishing touch. I mean, they, but they're they're tight, Pat. It's, and it's just a one game thing, you know. It's it's so I volatile, know, but it, but they're so tight. Dak Prescott's so tight, so nervous, right? Um, Mike McCarthy's nervous. They were playing against. Well, I'll talk about this later. Against a, a foot loose and fancy free. The Zoomers are saying this Packers team, okay. <laughs> And, and and the Packers said we don't care. We weren't even supposed to be here. Okay, it's, they were as loose as can be playing a team that is is tighter than tight, but just desperately trying to recapture some glory from thirty years ago. They haven't been good thirty years, uh, and and uh, uh, and and they couldn't. And they couldn't. And it, they they got to they got to solve that issue. Forget about the, the Mike McCarthy's not solving that. Mike McCarthy, you seen this guy? You want to talk about tight? Uh, I, I, mean, I, mean, maybe, I mean, some therapy or medication, just something. I mean, they, <laughs> they gotta, they gotta get this figured out. They do gotta. I just, Mike McCarthy is not the answer. I just, I feel like, really... I feel like somehow you spun twelve wins in three years in a row as a knock against Mike McCarthy, which I <laughs> it is. No, it, I, this roster was elite before he got there. He's not a bad coach. Like that narrative is overplayed. Like th- that when the, when you get in the rarefied air at the top of the league, the margins are where it's won. Like who, who? Who? Anyone think Mike McCarthy is going to outcoach Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay in a big? He's a very game? good coach. Like absolutely not. He's a good coach, but like the Mar, like he, he was a good coach, especially like 15 years ago when he, he was kind of on the forefront of the passing explosion. He's not going to outcoach Kyle Shanahan wait, or Sean McVay. Wait, 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 wait. If I, I, I got to make this. okay, look. I we were all skeptical, probably maybe me most of all, when McCarthy booted Kellen Moore and said, "I'm I'm the captain now." Kellen Moore's and a we said, This is and we, and we said, oh, this is this is bad, and and it turns out that was completely completely wrong. Mike Mike McCarthy took this offense to the next level, not not Kellen Moore. Yeah, Kellen, Kellen Moore inten- almost back. intentionally held them back. Okay, and, they were. But- Kellen Moore, I think Kellen Moore this this past year was catastrophic for Kellen Moore. Forget about what happened with him. The fact that McCarthy took this offense to the next level means Kellen Moore should probably never be a head coach. And his brother's doing a really good job at Mizzou, by the way. Really don't want him to get hired away. Kirby, we love Kirby Moore. Oh. Uh, but Mike McCarthy, he should just be an offensive coordinator then, man. Because, like, I, how many times did he? The final five years in Green Bay, it was the classic. Every loss was like a one-possession playoff game loss. And He's not going to put – he's not putting your team over the top. He can be part of a really high baseline, but in the rarefied air of, like, the elite top five to six teams in the NFL, he's not going to put them over the top. I think that's just, like, a, abundantly clear at this point. Like, any, he had to match which with Pete, Pete Carroll, who's not exactly known as, like, the endgame maestro. And he, <laughs> you know, he, and he choked away a, a Super Bowl appearance. Like, I just feel like it's been abundantly proven that against, like, the elite minds of the league, he's not going to be the difference in, like, a close – Big game, uh, I and like yeah, I mean like who is his who is his replacement though? That like if Shanahan's were growing on trees, I'd say sure, absolutely fire most head coaches. But like yeah. his replacement in Green Bay was immediately better and remains immediately better, and just beat him in the playoffs. Like they're out there, folks. They're out there. Who's there? Who do you think is would be a good replacement? 
I mean, Bill Belichick, they'd be winning the next Oh, two my God. Belichick games. ruins this team instantly. No, he yeah, would yeah, 30 times a game. Bill, Bel- are you, Bill Belichick, yeah. how many history-making yeah. seasons? Who was the coach when Tom Brady made history? Like seven Ru- No, he times. ruins this team. He he brings in, like, Leonard Fournette and gives Fournette 40 you, touches a game. You're aware of the most legendary offensive season in NFL history, the 2007 Patriots, happened under Bill Belichick, right? Like they scored over 500 points like five times of Bill. He's not. He, he would not ruin this team. He he he's been unwatchable the past few years with Mac Jones, but he would not be ruining this. They seriously scored 500 points I think like five different times. Like I know. I, I I was around. I didn't like it. Didn't yeah, like not, it. He wouldn't be ruining the Cowboys. He's. Uh, I don't know if it's a very pointless argument since the, they are not hiring Bill Belichick. <laughs> right, right. And, nor, and uh, they're not only are they not firing their coach, they wouldn't have hired yeah. that guy anyways. Yeah, we were going to talk about Dan Quinn. We don't have time. We have to move on to the division around. The division around, of course, kicks off with the AFC's top-seeded Ravens getting nearly 10 points at home against the upstart Houston Texans, Denny Carter. The Ravens are still searching for that elusive second playoff victory of the Lamar Jackson era. They've come close so many times. But you think their 2023 offensive approach has them on the right track to a victory, that they are doing the right thing, at least the process is good on offense, the Ravens, according to you. Yeah, process is great. I, I wrote about it. Uh, you can find that on the on the site about how the Ravens have finally, I think, uh, gotten out from under the shadow of Lamar's magical 2019 season. Um that season, the the Ravens easily led the the league in EPA per play and offensive success rate, and they did it all with a very old school run first, massively run heavy, especially in early downs offense. And I think that you know they've been kind of doomed to try to repeat that formula over and over and over again since then. And the uh, the the league has figured it out. I mean, that's what I argue in my in my piece. And Todd Munkin has come in and said, "Okay, all right, we're done." We're done with we're, 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 2019 is four years, five years ago. Okay. We're, we're on to modern day football. We're going to pass the ball heavily on early downs. That's what they've done. They drop back on early downs a lot. Uh, you can check out the numbers in the piece, but uh, top six in early down uh, pass rate. If, if they continue that, I think the Ravens are well positioned to win this game easily and to, and to go on and be prohibitive Super Bowl favorites. Now, if they if they turtle and if they say it's it's cold outside and we gotta we gotta establish it in the playoffs and you don't and you and you win in the playoffs by running the ball and tackling well, well then they're gonna lose. Yeah. And and I just hope that they don't do that. I love that you threw in tackling well. Like because your point is absolutely true. But it's just like a, like the one time tackling well is not a good thing. Is like you do not want to be emphasizing tackling heading into division round match. <laughs> you're already coaching like not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're gonna wrap them up this week. Like who, yeah, please, Singletary. Please. Like the players that who cares? Damian oh, Pierce. Like, also, <laughs> sorry. Also, uh, according to Aaron Schatz uh, at uh, FTN Fantasy, uh, John Harbaugh is now among the three most conservative uh, decision makers on offense uh, because the analytics did not work once for him. So no, they did not. We're we're scared. I'm scared for the Ravens. I hope that they keep it up. He had a few too many uh, end of game, two point conversion decisions go horribly awry. I mean, what, what happens if they do lose this game? I mean, the narratives Uh, are going to be just draped over John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. It's going to be so bad if they lose this game. Kyle, is there any way the Ravens can lose, lose this game? What would the path to victory for the Texans be beyond C.J. Stroud just going God mode, which he, of course, did against the Cleveland Browns' supposedly elite defense? The Ravens, another team on paper, have an elite defense, and one that held up better down the stretch than Cleveland. Yeah, as you pointed out, Cleveland was still a fine defense down the stretch, but they weren't quite at that weeks one through, let's call it 10 or so height. And, man, they just frankly did not – play a good game against the Texans. Like the Texans played a solid game of football, but it was a lot of like taking the open threes and easy layups that just a completely uncoordinated out of nowhere Cleveland defense gave them. Like I, you know, there was a really fun and interesting debate about like PFF grades on Twitter, you know, because CJ Stroud and Jordan Love had similar stats. CJ Stroud had a far less, far lower PFF grade, but like it 
checks the eye test. I saw Jordan Love make some insane throws, and Stroud hit the open threes, and even had one should-be interception that wasn't intercepted, I believe. So they sort of got away with it a little bit last week. The pass protection also wasn't great. He had a, a pressure rate slightly higher than his season-long average. He did handle the pressure well. That's not something he's done a great job of, dating back to his time at Ohio State. I do think they need to do a better job keeping him clean because I don't want to put everything on him getting there under pressure when that's not something he's generally done. So I expect to see, like we did last week and like we've seen the past three or four weeks, a lot of 12, and I think Andrew Beck's banged up, but maybe if he's healthy, some 21 personnel to try and avoid a really strong Ravens pass rush, keeping him clean and not forcing him to be a hero, essentially forcing him or allowing him sit in the pocket and rip some nasty throws. That's what they need to do sort of got away with not having to do as much of that against the Browns, especially when your defense puts 14 points on the board, your offense yeah. isn't asked to do a ton. Joe Flacco lived his life like a candle in the wind. As Denny, <laughs> Denny and Kyle told us he yeah. would. You were both uh, not drinking the Flacco Kool-Aid. I, I wanted to, but I knew that. Of like, course, oh, everyone wanted to, man. Uh, at the party, I was like, oh, I'll drink it after you guys. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I see them all keeling over. Like, oh, yep, good thing I didn't do that. Because, um, yeah, I didn't want to be the Joe Flacco hater, but it seemed like you guys were on to something. Kyle, real quick, you mentioned you mentioned something about Andrew Beck, the Texans fullback being injured. Noah Brown placed on injured reserve. They are kind of banged up. Uh, they're not, like, ruinously banged up. Of course, Tank Dell on injured reserve, but the Texans are not playing with, like, a full deck on offense right now. Uh, so it's going to be very hard for them to spring yet another upset, I feel like. I think – um Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think I think John Mechie is interesting with Noah Brown out. Is that right? Yeah, no. That was the next thing I had when Pat asked me about the interesting DFS plays. So good. No, I'm just kidding. I don't well, <laughs> get into it. What are the interesting Texans DFS plays? Because in theory, you know, the four team slate, uh, the team we're not we're not going to be onslaughting against this Ravens defense, are we, Kyle? Probably not. But like I said, I, I think CJ Stroud with a clean pocket is like a top five quarterback. And frankly, like even if you just take the average of the times he doesn't have a clean pocket and times he does, he's probably still close to, if not just straight up a top five quarterback, he's closer to pushing that top three, four status among like the, the basically the tier after Alan Mahomes from a clean pocket. He's just been that good when given time to throw. So if they accomplish that, like if you, in your mind, you're constructing a lineup in which that happens at that point, you probably can play a, a pretty solid chunk of Texans in your lineup. Nico Collins absolutely dominating the targets. He's the one who, as no surprise, does not leave the field no matter if they're playing 12, 21, or anything else. Beyond that, it's a bit more of a mixed bag. Maybe we see more Robert Woods this week. Hasn't been hasn't been seemingly fully healthy in a while. He didn't no. run a ton of routes last week, as Denny pointed out. That guy was actually John Mechie with 68% of the routes. Pretty solid 20% target per route run. It just depends on how you want to go with that. To me, I'd maybe want to bet on Mechie more because at this point, I just don't know what Robert Woods physically has left to give this season. So I do think Mechie's like an interesting dart throw. Still not quite a full-time player, but last week at least, he was the closest thing they had to a wide receiver too. Is it is it Schultz season at all? Is he still playing? Is he on a well, reserve or something? Yeah. He's not, he, well, he's not getting a, a ton of routes like he was early in the season. Uh, Brevin Jordan kind of yeah, split that with him. Brevin Jordan scoring a, quote, giga ultra touchdown against the Brevin Jordan looking like, I don't know, the fastest tight end in the history of the league. Yeah, that was insane. That was totally insane. I, I actually was, like, dumbfounded. Like, I was, was like, I, that can't be Brevin Jordan. He entered the game. I think this is his, it's his third season. He entered the game with a career-long reception of 27 yards. Yeah, right. And, and, I mean, if and I remember take, correctly, Brevin Jordan was like a yak monster fiend at Miami. Like he was like super athletic playing like just the like prototypical. This guy is a tight end, but just makes plays like a wide receiver at Miami. Uh, but like obviously it never materialized until when they I don't want to say they needed him most. They beat the brakes off the Browns. But when they showed up in the playoffs, all of a sudden this dude was a unit. So is it Brevin Jordan season in DFS for either one of you guys? It, no, he didn't run a ton of routes. He was he was he's cool. He's fun. But he's not like a the most fantasy relevant play. He's, he's showdown. If, if this game has, uh, you know, all the games have showdown or Fandle's like single game format. Yeah, sure. Dabble in your Brevins there. Denny, what's the Ravens DFS outlook? Again, uh, not a great Texans defense. Not a bad Texans defense, but it is no one's idea of a great defense. Yeah, I mean, I think you can maybe get weird with the Ravens running backs, assuming positive game script and the Ravens tend to lean toward the run with positive game script, like most teams. Uh, so that could put into play, like, 
you know, I mean, if you're playing showdowns, like you could play both Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, maybe, and Lamar uh, with no pass catchers, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I mean, when they when these teams played in week one, you had um, Zay Flowers with a 38% target per route run rate, which is really strong. Um, led, led the team easily with 10 targets. Uh, so obviously he's interesting. He'll be hi- highly rostered. I think Isaiah likely will be highly rostered because the Texans have been crushed by tight ends um, in the middle of the field and likely profiles as that guy. Now, I, I guess Mark Andrews, that is the thing. Yeah, Kyle. I, I, Mark, Mark Andrews is practicing in full as of Wednesday. I right. don't know what the Thursday update is yet. It seems like he's going to play. If you practice in full at any so, point during the week before a playoff game, you're almost certainly going to play. So I, I guess, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect him to come in and run 100% of the routes or anything, but uh, oh, we have an update. Andrews playing against Texans is, quote, still up in the air. So we don't hmm. know. All right. um, we'll, we'll see. All right. Seems kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, like you said, Pat, he, he practiced in full. Team called him day-to-day. I believe it was the offensive coordinator called him day-to-day on, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. Like, day-to-day, like you said, day-to-day players typically, like players called day-to-day, typically play. Players who get in a full practice, as long as they don't regress at any point in the week, typically play, especially when it's the playoffs. I think I'm betting on him playing, despite the fact that, like, initially, season-ending injury. Shortly after that, the reports were like, Maybe a deep playoff run, a Super Bowl appearance. Maybe I think I made the joke that they uh, list him as questionable for the Super Bowl, and then they don't. You did, or whatever. You did, yeah. And everything has just gotten better every step of the way. And his his sort of practice regiment, not knowing the final practice of the week, kind of reminds me of Sam Laporta's last week, where entering the week you think there's just no way this guy is going to play. Too soon coming off the injury, it's a very different injury, but too soon. And then by the end of the week, gets in a full practice, and you're like. Every if we hadn't had the reports right after the game for Mark Andrews, that was a long time ago. You would say, "Oh, full practice. I guess he's going to go." I kind of think we're heading that way this week. We're like, "I guess he's going to go." And interesting, Sam. Interestingly, Sam Laporta played all the snaps last week. wasn't targeted a ton, but did get in the end zone. I don't know if Mark Andrews plays all of the snaps, but as we speculate with Laporta, and in some sense, turned out to be true, a lot of high leverage opportunities for him. Probably like they get in the red zone. I'd be shocked if Mark Andrews isn't out there like third and seven, like manageable third down. That's not obviously like third and 21 draw play. That's very possibly a first read Mark Andrews target. Maybe he's not out there blocking as much. He's never blocked the most in his career, but I could see him playing a lot of the passing plays. Yeah. Almost no way. He's not snap counted. I don't think it's going to be like Sam Laporta. So, Cause I say likely has been playing so well, um, but the, yeah, the risk would be for likely that Andrews is getting the highest leverage snaps. Yes. Danny Carter. Sorry to interrupt. No, you. no, no. Uh, no. Here's a, a quote from Andrews uh, from just a few minutes ago. Uh, if if I feel like I'm close but not there, I'll let these guys go and hopefully get there by next weekend. Uh, that that sounds to me like a guy who's not planning on playing. Hello, dog. That does sound. Yeah, yeah. Well, say Kyle. My, the joke I was saying is hopefully this doesn't mean this is the Ravens Super Bowl. You said he'd be questioned for the Super Bowl, and the Ravens are so tilted oh, that they're worried true, the yeah. division around is their Super Bowl. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Green Bay Packers are fresh off demolishing the Cowboys at what is known as Jerry World, but are still nearly 10-point underdogs in Santa Clara, California against the 49ers, Kyle. The Pack were a wild card joy. The 49ers, though, are divisional round colossus. Is it safe to say the Packers' formula here is the exact same as it was in Dallas, uh, which is every team's playoff formula? Pray you get an early lead and then pray for Brock Purdy meltdown mode, question mark? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think part of, like, you know, we talked about this on the show, the recap show, I think, Sunday night or whatever. Like, 
there's only so much you can like you're always trying to get an early lead because you're always trying to score points and to the package credit they're not playing conservative they are trying to score points i do think hopefully last week taught them a bit of a lesson in which we saw sean clifford come in and then they immediately brought in jordan love again because the cowboys are starting to score do weird. not take your foot off the gas i get that the 49ers aren't necessarily a comeback oriented team in the way that you could make that argument for the chiefs. I mean, chiefs literally 15 seconds is too much like iconic for them. I don't think the 49ers are quite that team, but with how explosive they are and how many playmakers they have, I think it's generally fair to say they can score points in droves, even if they're from behind. So I'd say like get up early, but then continue to get up as much as you can. One like stylistic note, I think will change from last week to this week is the Cowboys were not terrible, but were generally bad against two tight end sets all year. They weren't terrible at it, but they were much worse against that than the 49ers are. The 49ers are really good against 12 personnel. So I do think we'll probably see them move back into 11 more so, which was interesting last week. Jaden Reed didn't play a ton. I think he was third on the team and routes kind of split a little bit with both Christian Watson and then the tight ends that they mixed around. This probably gives him a better shot to what it turns out to be literally get on the scoreboard. They didn't need him to. It's not his fault that he didn't get on the scoreboard, but I think he's zero board. I think he had a perfect zero catch game. He did. The snowflake heard around the world on DK summer. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he'll probably be running more routes this week as we see a, a bit scaled back version of the, of how much 21 they run or 12. They run. That's it. As you, as we said, every team wants to get the early lead, but the, the Packers though understood I, the Packers did what I feel like every road dog needs to do against like an elite offense you need to take the ball and you need to try to score and immediately change the psychology of the game especially against a team like the cowboys you know under so much immense pressure as denny pointed out like man we haven't had the ball yet we're already down seven to nothing but you need to get the ball you need to score against the 49ers then you need to hope the scripted opening series fails and then immediately the doubts begin to creep in for the 49ers that's what the that's the packers only path to victory uh, you heard it here first. There's literally no way they can win unless they do. How, by the way, how different? How different is this Packers team compared to the latter day Aaron Rodgers Packers? Where even when they were winning, they were absolutely miserable. Uh, I know. And the vibes were so bad. And this team is fun. They're having a good time. Okay. Uh, uh, Jordan Love, like I said, is loose. Loose as a goose. Some would say. <laughs> And uh, and his goose like play has 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 really I think makes I think makes them scary. I, I I would be frightened if I were the Niners. You have a team with nothing to lose, and you have everything to lose. Yeah, you got just the, an offense really cooking with gas, like an opportunistic defense. Not a good defense though by the Packers yeah. by any stretch. Uh, but yeah, they 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 are the quintessential team with nothing to lose and fresh off dropping forty eight on a good defense on the road. Uh, so we talk about the Packers, Denny. What is the state of the 49ers offense entering the playoffs? Christian McCaffrey, of course, injured his calf late in the year, but pretty healthy. Uh, they were explosive all year. They scored a million points all year. Yeah. State of San Francisco heading into the divisional round. Well, it's good, I would say. Um, that's good. Yeah, that's all I got. No, uh, it's uh, they're going to go run heavy here because I, I mentioned the funnel defense report, uh, which is on the site now that the Packers are uh, the most extreme run funnel defense in the NFL and have been for some time. Uh, that didn't really matter against the Cowboys because of game script. I, I guess barring crazy game script, I think that they are just going to run the ball relentlessly against the Packers. That's not to say that like Brock Purdy and the pass catchers are in a bad spot. The Packers, by every measure, are very exploitable secondary as well. Um, I, I know that it was a lot of garbage time, but you know, Dak ended up carving up that Green Bay defense, um, which, which you know again gets back to what you're saying, Pat and and, and Kyle, uh, that if, if the Packers get up in this game, they have to continue just continue to score, like continue to be aggressive to try to put points on the board. There is no lead that is safe uh, with this Niners yeah, offense yeah. against this Packers defense, but I, I do think we'll see a run heavy. Uh, script here the Niners were three percent under their expected dropback rate on the season they were sort of pass heavy to end the season uh but I think this revolves around CMC obviously and maybe Debo Samuel is a secondary uh rushing option I did see when you were talking I began to see the contours of what a Packers victory would look like or like you said it makes a ton of sense for the Niners to go run heavy but then we hear like with the 11 47 mark of the second quarter they go down to Fox's Aaron Andrews on the sideline like 
Like uh, Kevin, Kevin and Greg, they've been managing Christian McCaffrey's reps. He's still dealing with that calf injury. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> like it's happening again. And the Packers are going to get away with it again. Brock Purdy's going to throw three picks again. Or they're taking him out on every second down. Yeah. Uh, well, it's right. He has a he has a heavy wrap around the calf right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah Mitchell also in the blue tent. Yeah, like, uh, he hasn't even been in the game. No, <laughs> yeah, he injured in pregame warmups too soon. Yeah. Question mark. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I do we said you sound a little more nervous about the 49ers than the Ravens when you two were talking. I, thought. I, I I'm I'm nervous for the Niners. I, the Packers are the Packers to me are just a, a scary a, a scary little team that could. I feel like their defense is just too bad. Jordan Love is playing. Jordan Love is Jordan Love is prime Aaron Rodgers right now. I feel like this game is the ultimate. We will know after the first two drives who are winning. Because the Packers, it's not an option not to score on their opening drive. And if Shandy comes out with one of his classic scripted opening series touchdowns, like it's this gonna be a long day for Green Bay. I don't know. I think, I think we'll I know like I think we'll know if the Packers are losing within the first two drives. Cause I think even if the 49ers go down early, like Denny said, they're so explosive. They can come back. But if the 49ers go up early, man, that is a tough, tough road to hoe when you are facing down an incredible running attack, but also a team that could still, if they choose to pass, light you up. So Kyle, what are the Packers DFS priorities then? We, we, they're not gonna win this game on the back of the run game. Aaron Aaron Jones could be a DFS priority, but who who are you jamming into all your lineups this weekend? We know you have seven thousand lineups, Kyle. <laughs> so uh, I think if you're doing projections at this point, you probably have to pencil in Romeo Dobbs for the highest at least route rate. He's a player who does not come off the field for this team. Then when they move out of eleven personnel, that we saw this like earlier in the year as well. Jaden Reed, he's primarily a slot receiver. If they do move out of eleven personnel, he does come off. Like I said, I think they do that less this week. But you wouldn't blame them for sticking in at least some 12 personnel. They have two very strong rookie tight ends. I think Dontavion Wicks will, maybe last week, you know, strong performance will boost his ownership. But people are scared of playing him over Jaden Reed when Jaden Reed was so good throughout his rookie year. Wicks was really good as well, like nearly paralleling Reed and a bunch of the efficient efficiency metrics. And they use him more on the outside. So we're not as concerned that he comes off the field as much. Last week, he was second on the team in routes. Yeah, again, they are calling it the the DK snowflake emoji heard around the world. Yeah, <laughs> the one that uh, cost me everything. It did cost me everything. You used to have a beautiful family. I used to have a backyard. Now it's uh, it's gone. <laughs> then you used to have golf clubs. Yeah, those are gone. Oops. Those are all gone. The bank. The, the first thing the bank examiner took was the golf clubs. Right. My tight. My my. I've been eyeing up. I've been eyeing up this titleist for a long time, Mister Carter. <laughs> You're crying in the corner. My, my then he's pleading, "My wedding ring, please. It's worth more money. Take the wedding ring." <laughs> like I didn't know the bank examiner could come and just start taking your possessions. <laughs> but uh, that's how it works. And they're me. making me regrip the clubs before <laughs> they buy it. <laughs> wow, that's, that's really harsh. Uh, Denny, what are the 49ers DFS priorities? It sounds like uh, you got to pony up for Christian McCaffrey. If yeah, uh, I mean it. It really look look. If you are brave enough. Make so if it's four game slate. If you're brave enough to fade McCaffrey, you are your your lineup is going to be wildly different just off the bat, okay? Because he that frees up so much uh, uh, cap space for for other positions, obviously. And I'm guessing, you know, I don't know, Kyle. What do you think? 65, 70% roster ship for CMC? I was going to say 70. Really? Plus. I, Wait, what, what's he over? He's over 9,000. I doubt it'll be that high. But he, but he's a, it's a, it's a, like an automatic because because the terror, the terror of not having CMC on a CMC blow up day is is all too real. It's show, it's soul shattering. Okay, that sort of fear. And so people, people, you know, are, are rightly going to flock to him. Uh, I, I do I do think you could get you could get kind of weird and do and do like Purdy Kittle Kittle is in a great spot here because because the tight ends have just wrecked the Packers especially over the past like four or five weeks we saw Jake Ferguson go for uh, uh, what nine catches three touchdowns three touchdowns each one of them more meaningful than the last uh, right. <laughs> well, yeah. but uh, uh, so so it could be one of those one of those Kittle blow up games so you could do like Purdy Kittle Debo not cmc and get weird i feel like now that's you're talking game. that's what i'm gonna do i think i wish i might write that down when you start talking for the next um, game also i mentioned this in the funnel defense report folks look i know that the niners are getting defensive end uh, uh eric armstead back this week most likely okay he's practicing 
So that that does change the calculus, but the numbers and the data say that the Niners' rush defense is not really that good. Okay, now they are a massive pass funnel, but teams are not. So I think the teams are not passing a lot versus San Francisco because they're afraid to run it. I think they're doing it because Brock Purdy and the offense is a machine that never stops scoring points. So it forces the other team just throw, yes. throw, throw. That's yes. the reason, right? The reason. It, and, and so I do feel like Aaron Jones, I, I, AJ Dillon's questionable. I know, but I do feel like Aaron Jones is not in the worst spot right here. That actually does make a lot of sense. And he just had a great game in Dallas and was finally healthy to end the season. I had a bunch of great games to end the season. Uh, we're going to end our Packers 49ers talk and be right back after this. The Lions are looking to continue their storybook season, and they can advance to the NFC Championship game with a win over Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. Coverage of the divisional round showdown in Detroit begins at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Sunday on NBC and Peacock. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC sports shows and Amazon music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC sports. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer, like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Yeah, guys, if it feels like the Lions are getting a divisional round free space in the Bucks, or it does feel like that, uh, but the 6.5-point spread is actually the second smallest of the second playoff weekend, Denny. Uh, the Bucks were pretty impressive in their wild card beatdown of the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, but is it safe to say the Lions are prohibitive favorites despite only being the third biggest favorite of the weekend? Yes. Uh, I would be stunned. Honestly, if the Lions lost this game, I mean, you know, at being at home means a lot to any team. I think especially a team like the Lions who have played really well at home this year. Um, uh, over the second half of the season, they have some pretty wild home away splits. So, um, you know, they, they get the Bucks in in Detroit. I, I do. I do like their chances. I think that this means probably a, a really run heavy approach. I, I, I could see David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs seeing a lot of touches here, um, both in the in the run game and then the dump-off pass game. The Bucs have been vulnerable against um, uh, you know, running backs in the pass game. So I, 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 could, I could see this game, revol- uh, this offensive game plan for the Lions revolving around the running backs. Um, I was just not agreeing with everything you said. I don't have a follow-up point. Um, is that we done with the time about this game then? I think no, I don't think so. No, uh, to be honest, I was already daydreaming about Chiefs Bills. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, no, I think this game could be could be fun for DFS because Lions are massive pass funnel and and Baker Baker can bake here and throw Baker can throw. bake. I'm a little surprised that the total is under 50. It is only 48 and a half. I like the over. I understand what you're saying about the game environment and like the Lions' offensive strengths about going run heavy, but you know the Bucks have been a team that you want to pass on still more than run. Not that they're like an elite run defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does yeah. seem like they could still go nuts through the air. So that, and I mentioned this in the final defense report that has shifted a bit, right? So like like six eight weeks ago, we were like, hey, everybody's throwing against the Bucks. That has you know kind of cooled off uh, for for one reason or another. I will say that the Lions were twelve percent over their expected dropback rate against the Bucks when these teams played in Week Six. <laughs> So they that you know that that would suggest that what I said is completely wrong. I do think that this is just an entirely different di- uh, different team. You know, it's just it's just a different defense. Teams are attacking it in different ways. We also almost got a goffening against the Rams. Had like <laughs> oh, shot, I know that shot put fumble attempt. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. So the the book is out on Jared Goff. You pressure him, and nothing can work. So just I, do that. Just do that and easily win the game and advance to play the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, 
Denny laid out what you might want to do on defense against the Lions. Kyle, what is the Bucks' likely offensive approach in this game? You know, what's going to be like a jet engine type stadium in Detroit? It's been a really, really raucous environment up there. Before we get to that, was that shot put fumble attempt recovered by I think Brock Wright? Because oh, I remember, I think it, maybe it went out of bounds. I can't remember what happened. I remember but. thinking, uh, what are the implications of this DFS wise? Are we losing yards on this? Because that could be very punishing. <laughs> yeah. You're sick. You're sick. Just how? Yeah, exactly. After thinking that, I was like, my brain is so warped. I can't, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> Moving on to the Bucks offense. I think we see another relatively pass-heavy approach from this team. They're right around league average in pass rate over expected on the year, but they face a defense that teams have unanimously agreed in the Lions' defense that you just keep throwing against them. They're a bottom 10 team in EPA allowed per pass attempt or per drop back, rather, and they face a top five pass rate over expected. So I think there are some DFS implications I'll get into for that. But overall, the broad strategy, as most teams have come to the consensus on, is you just throw against the Lions. And especially for a team that probably wants to run the ball, if you can get an early lead, you know, we talked about this with a few other spots, I do think they're less equipped. They're not a bad passing attack by any means, but it'll at least bring them out of their play calling comfort zone. Speaking of that, the Baker Mayfield looked a lot healthier. It looked like the, the Regeneron yeah. or whatever had taken hold in the wild card round. For week 18, Denny pointed out the sideline reporters were saying like Baker Mayfield was like gasping for air. Right. He's uh, not breathing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he was uh, the, the, the Bucks coach says having to remind Baker to breathe. Oh, they wow. put him in the iron lung briefly, but then they're yeah, like, all right, so get back out there. Why do you think the blue tent is so big? It's to fit the whole iron lung. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised they won that game. Why, uh, why were we so uh hesitant to go with the bucks last week like there was just no chance that tampa was going to lose that game it's just left over i mean they made the super bowl last year the eagles and then they were 10 and 1 we just didn't have a long enough time for our brains to make the adjustment that they're not Mm -hmm. good i mean the the bucks the bucks like did some like really embarrassing things for the the eagles i mean when when baker throws just a jump ball in the, in the end zone. And he knows, like, the Eagles don't have that dog. Like, the Eagles are not even going to try to defend this ball. And Godwin comes down with it. It was a it was an effort. Godwin down there somewhere. Yeah. I think he literally said that. I think he, 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 did. Did. he, he actually did. After the play, he ran up and said, Godwin down I there mean, somewhere. That, that, that's really embarrassing. That's re- for the Eagles, truly embarrassing that a quarterback was like, I don't care where this ball goes. The Eagles are not getting it. Yeah, producer Adam points out we made the state mistake of thinking the Eagles actually liked playing. I think oh. you clean swept last week if you went with like vibes based uh, approach. Yeah, like maybe the only one is you could call vibes either way for like Dolphins because Chiefs vibes are also kind of terrible this year. But like other than that, vibes based approach one hundred percent was on Packers, one hundred percent was on Bucks, and was like on favorites from there on out. So it was pretty much on the Chiefs too. I mean, everyone was talking about like. Probably. The Dolphins have never experienced weather like this, and then they immediately yeah. looked like they had never experienced. <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah, <laughs> and it was pretty bad. And and the Eagles too just uh, had one final Eagles thought that is eluding me. But uh, yeah, they were so so bad that I absolutely love when my team is so bad that the best player, our future Hall of Famer, immediately just retires after the game. Uh, my, <laughs> great, like, a, a legend retires, like on the field. Is standing and, and nothing against Jason Kelsey, but is standing on the sideline weeping, openly no, weeping. And it was like clear. It was like the only time I think I've ever Lord. seen it. it was like clear on TV that he was retiring. Like, oh, this guy's retiring right now. Yeah, right. I mean, well, it, was, it was. We had that moment with Antonio Brown, but it was very different. I'll be it's honest. True. Oh, Jason Kelsey has, of course, walked it back, claiming he has not made up his decision yet. Well, yeah. Okay. And they were so bad that he was just very visibly retiring <laughs> on the field. <laughs> like, it's like, wow. Uh, yeah, I expected a little more. Yeah. Uh, shoot, it feels like we're done talking about this game, but uh, anything on the DFS situation? Kyle and the Bucks. what are the, the Bucks DFS priorities? We kind of already laid it out, but who are you jamming in every lineup? Yeah, the lines have gotten rocked by slot receivers this year, and you typically expect that to be like a mix of Godwin and whoever their third receiver has been. That's been a mix of players as well. But I will note, Mike Evans playing way more out of the slot over the past five weeks than he has at any point this season. Four, like all four of his games over a 35% slot rate have come in their past five games. They're moving around trying to get him the ball in different ways. He's still not a primary slot receiver by any means, but the fact that he's being used in a more versatile fashion and that is moving him into the slot against a team that really has defended the slot poorly. I think the second or third most fantasy points to slot receivers given up. I think it's probably a really good spot for Mike Evans after I think a quiet, a very quiet last week. Denny on the Lions front, it sounds like you have Jameer Gibbs in every lineup. Um, oh man. What are yeah. the <laughs> best priorities? Yeah, so I, 
I guess I guess if you want to just like pour everything into running back, you go with CMC and and Gibbs. Um, but I mean, Gibbs is is going to be way less rostered. I think his ceiling. I mean, I know ceiling is uh, in the eye of the beholder, but uh, I, I do think that his ceiling would be comparable to CMC if if he really gets a full workload. I mean, a foolish workload against a, uh, a, a what has become a beatable uh, a Tampa front seven. Didn't hear the one of you say, quote, J-Mo. Um, J-Mo in the lineup. Does he, does he play? Yeah, he's playing, right? I don't know. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's running routes, but I, I believe uh, Josh Reynolds saw him way more targets than him. Oh, my gosh. Week, so. uh, Kyle, I thought I was onto something with Josh Reynolds last week. Thought I, thought he got I targeted. Uh, revenge I, game. He didn't like, score anything, but. It was vi- it was purely vibes. I was just like, I'm going with, with my vibes guy, Josh Reynolds, and they, he was so hot in the first half. I was like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> DFS is warping everybody's brains. I know. know. Must move on to the final game of the weekend. Last but far from least is the Bills and Chiefs' latest grudge match, this time in Buffalo after years of Bills' postseason road trips to Arrowhead Stadium, Kyle. Much has been made of the fact that this is Patrick Mahomes' first foray outside Kansas City during the playoffs, but uh, you know, hasn't exactly struggled on the road during his career. He's won two neutral site Super Bowls. He has a career 775 winning percentage away from home. Did we see? I know. Did we see That's a Chiefs? Did we see a Chiefs team during the wild card round that has finally gotten closer to fixing some of its offensive issues, heading into what is by far its biggest game of the year so far? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they moved the ball relatively well. They had, as someone who drafted a lot of Chiefs in the in best ball formats for the for the playoffs, it's really helpful to have a team that only kicks field goals when they get inside the twenty. That was great and a fun time. But like. The, you know, the closer you move to the end zone, you know, the fewer chances you have and the more random it becomes. The fact that they got into the red zone a lot tells me that they could have scored a lot more points. And I don't know if this is like a philosophical change or just a like there is only so much these other players can do. But Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice accounted for 62 percent of the team's targets. And like that is probably not a winning strategy in the long term to have two players who account for every single useful play in your passing attack. But what other choice do they have? I mean, they like, trotted Meikle Hardman out there for 40% of the routes and immediately made the most Meikle Hardman play you've seen in a long time. They, like, he did that like five times in the game, multiple times on special teams. Why Man. Why does Meikle Hardman not run down deep balls? Like, yeah, that one where he didn't dive? I, I, I mean, there were, two, like, there were two where he just gave up. And I was like instinctively hitting, I think, box the dive button on my my PS5 controller. Right. I mean, I I, I don't know what you're talking about, but I mean, it, it, that that is, <laughs> that is it was confounding. Like, dude, you still like I know the guy touched you. I know the defender touched your shoulder pad, <laughs> but you could still run under the ball. And the defender was your... telling him, "Hey, buddy, look up ball, ball." I know. Yeah. I know. He's trying he was to just tap him, a little gentle tap to die. Like you don't have to give up on the play because someone breathed on you hard. I don't know. Wow. Is that too much? But Denny's he's Denny's gone hard O mode. He's hard, <laughs> hard dad. Um, it snowed once in Maryland and now Denny's like a little <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, that was uh quite confusing by Michael Hardman. Everything he does is confusing. Uh, Kyle, you were still talking about the Chiefs offense. I'm sorry, I'm really I was no, consolidating. I mean, they're throwing the two guys. Like which, what, what they yeah, need I, to I, do. Like, you said it might not be sustainable in a 17 game season. During this three or four game playoff season, they have no other choice. Like it's wasted touches if they don't do that. Yeah, we'll see if Kadarius Tony comes back. He was limited in practice throughout last week, but did not play. I saw he was limited for the first practice this week. But I think that really just obscures any sort of like, oh, well, Michael Harmon got some deep shots. Maybe he connects on them. One, he, he's obviously not going to connect on them. It's what he does is not connect on the great throws from Patrick Mahomes. But even then, at this point, like he ran 40 something percent of the routes and maybe they get Tony back. I guess technically they also get Sky Moore back as well. Do you remember Sky Moore? Hardly. Like, I mean, my, my dynasty teams remember him painfully. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to hear anything about Skymore this offseason. I'm just telling both of you. I'm not. I'm, I refuse yeah. to talk about him. Look, it's as fair. an ardent Skymore stand, I think even the strongest among us have no fight left. Obviously, <laughs> no. uh, Skymore man, he's even older than that. He turns 24 in September, so he's not even young for like his third year in the league. It's totally over. It's over. it's, it's so over. over. Uh, Denny, the Bills continue. The point you make every week. I feel like the Bills are playing. They play not to lose rather than trying to win. Yeah. What do they need to do to actually win and defeat their arch nemesis, right. the Kansas City Chiefs? 
so the, the when these teams played in week 14 in the Kadarius Tony Bowl, uh, the Bills were 10% above their expected dropback rate. That was the last time we saw the Bills go pass heavy. From there on out for the rest of the season and into the playoffs, the Bills are 9% below their expected dropback rate. This has fueled um, uh, t- touches of rushing attempts for both James Cook and Josh Allen. They're letting Josh be Josh, finally. Uh, 57 rushing attempts over his past five games. Uh, so basically, you know, over over 11 per game. That's uh, a far cry from his four rushes per game in the first half of the season. Um, so we're getting the full Josh Allen experience. Very little, very little pass volume. Uh, so I, I think, you know, like fantasy wise, you know, I, I kind of like like a James Cook, uh, Josh Allen line up with with like a Rasheed Rice run back or something. I, I like that. You got any sick Bills plays? That's something I put I mean, on the show sheet. We wanted sick from the sick, Bills. Yeah, Deontay I mean, Hardy scored a touchdown last week. For you could get sick with 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 Dawson Knox. He's out there enough, Ooh, you know. Right. But I mean, it, that's that's pretty sick. You just said I mean, Deontay Hardy scored a touchdown last week, didn't Dawson Knox scored a touchdown last week in sick Bills? Yeah, sure. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, the Bills scored a lot of sick touchdowns against the Steelers. Uh, that's kind of all. They was did. it two weeks ago? Now they had the hilarious Trent Sherfield touchdown. It was like tipped somewhere. I don't know if it was a linebacker at the line, and I mean it goes because Josh Allen's throwing sixty miles an hour. It reaches the top of the goalpost, and Sherfield really cool, like toe tap and grab to come down with it. You know, all year, by the way, we've been hearing complaints like from the entire league about like the Chiefs getting like a friendly whistle, except for of course the Michael Hartman whistle. I thought the Bills got an extraordinarily friendly whistle. I don't think there's anything to it. I'm not saying that, but man, there were a lot of calls winning against the Steelers in that game. I, my only goal in the playoffs, I don't root for DFS. I always just root for the game to be close because I want it to be interesting until sure. the final minute. Like every time the Steelers were getting close, I felt like there was some like catastrophically bad call that went against them. <laughs> and like, there's gonna be like a lot of like, like just agony this week over the refereeing. I think. Yeah, there, yeah, there will be. There will be. I, I I feel like you know. I know that that the officiating has gotten bad, but like I feel like the b- social media has exacerbated the oh, situation, where yeah. every single even controversial call is the end of the world for everybody, including you fans, non fans, you know DFS, whatever. Like you know, geez, do we have to talk about every single call? I mean, in, in like the early two thousands, how many like out of market West Coast games were yeah. you watching? For me, like my family is all Steelers fans. Like I wasn't seeing a single Seahawks game; just wasn't happening. And now, obviously, I can get the highlights of every game. I do get the oh, highlights of every yeah, game. I'll tell you what you did see Twitter. was every single call going against the Seahawks in that Seahawks Steelers Super Bowl. One of the most infamously refereed oh games in the history yeah. of the sport. That, man, I was really yeah. young then. I <laughs> That's actually is like that's like one of the load stars, one of the touchstones for bad yeah. refereeing. As the not a single call went the Seahawks way in that Super Bowl. Nah, I just remember that one being fun. That was a good one. <laughs> I only have positive memories of that one. No, no critiques. We should really look into that. I think the main reason refereeing has gotten worse is that they're like they're afraid to make a call because they just want it to go to replay, or they're afraid to get overturned replay. So I feel yeah, like yeah. you get way less decisive action than you used to get from referees. So like, well, whatever. I'm just gonna wait until I know something like for real what's happening. And then if I'm wrong, we can go to review. Uh, I, I think that's what's hurt refereeing more than anything else is um, over reliance on replay fixing things. Well, it's it's why every it's why every single time a screen pass goes awry and the guy clearly drops it, we have to have the defense recover it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. End zone and a 12 minute <laughs> replay. And, you know, I'm like, oh, God, we have to do this again. Can we just call one pass incomplete? No, we cannot. I mean, I will never call this one pass incomplete. Uh, Denny, he tried to get a little sick with the DFS plays. It's a little easier with the Chiefs, Kyle. Um, Any sicko. And and those 38% of the targets that aren't Travis Kelsey (laughs) and Rasheed Rice, who are you jamming into your DFS lineups? Yeah, we saw MVS's role scaled back last oh, week. Right. And that's too sick. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. The, well, I was going to say, no, no, no. We saw it scaled back, which created room for, like, Justin Watson to run 60% of the routes, as if that's some, like, insane development that, like, I thought you were going to say something sick, like MVS. Thank God you said Justin yeah, Watson. That was, like, like, too far. Who cares? I think the better sick plays in this game are on the other side of the ball. Khalil Shakir, like, he just might straight up be better than Gabe Davis. Like, Gabe Davis does one oh, thing yeah. somewhat well. 
But Khalil Shakir, I think, just offers more to this team. Gabe Davis doesn't look like he's going to play this week with back-to-back DNPs. Shakir, 85% of the routes last week, 84th the week before that. He is a full-time receiver in a high-scoring environment, and he's Josh Allen's number two receiver, probably number three pass catcher. Even Trent Sherfield, 56% of the routes. That's typically not really relevant for your, what, 10, 11, whatever game slate. On a four-game slate, or if you're playing the smaller slate slash showdown, that is 100% relevant, especially, like I said, there's a lot of volatility, which means upside, if you're a number three 60% of the routes guy for Josh Allen against the Chiefs, no less. Really, really good verbal stuff from Kyle and Denny. A lot of good written stuff on the site. Denny has the funnel report. What's the other article? Or is it, it is all the funnel report this week. Right? Oh, the Ravens. I, Ravens. I also wrote about the Ravens, yeah. Really, really good. Kyle, do you, I don't know if either of you I have an article up right now, do we? No, I'll have something. I'll have some stuff coming out next week. But uh, right now, I am fostering dogs. So check out my Twitter for that. That's the big thing I got going on. I'm also working on an off-season piece that will hopefully be up in a few weeks' time. Uh, keep it locked to RotorWorld.com. A lot of injury news, a lot of coaching news. Bill Belichick may be official by the time you hear this. We'll argue about it more um, soon. Or we'll do a recap show, by the way, Sunday. And Danny, by the way, you're uh, you're gonna be on the recap show this week. Um, I I'm definitely going to be, I'm going to be drinking that coffee. Folks. Yeah. We iced you out Kyle and I uh, last week. Just Typical. didn't even ask. Didn't even ask. Typical. And, uh, and, uh, Kyle, Denny and Kyle. Well, as soon as the division round ends, we're going to get uh, to breaking it down. So for Denny Carter, for Kyle, the I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.